Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Good morning, church. What an incredible opportunity to open the Word of God together. I'm really excited about this message. You might remember the moment on August 5th, 2010, there was a copper mine in San Jose, Chile that collapsed, trapping 33 miners 2,300 feet below the Earth's surface. And almost immediately, the search and rescue mission began, right? They, they began to drill down to see if anyone had survived the collapse and actually made it to the shelter. Well, 17 days after they began drilling and looking for these men, they pulled up a drill bit, and attached to that drill bit was a note in bright red letters. It said, we are well in the shelter, signed the 33. And immediately, countries across the globe began to leverage all of their resources and all of their technology to try to rescue these 33 men and bring them home. NASA would actually be the ones to end up designing the capsule that would do so. 69 days after they were trapped below the Earth's surface, one by one, all 33 of these men were brought to the surface, brought back to the Earth, right? And the world began to rejoice immediately, just like you did. They began to celebrate all across the globe this incredible, miracle moment. Over the next couple of months, these men found themselves on uh, talk shows and late night shows, right, telling the story of their survival. But slowly, we all went back to our everyday lives and they tried to do the same. One year after these men were rescued, Time Magazine wanted to check in and see how they were doing. And some of them were doing okay, but all of them were struggling with significant issues. One man had just been arrested for domestic violence. Many of them were struggling with sleep issues or PTSD, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Some of them had actually begun hoarding food in their own homes or choosing to sleep on the hard floor instead of in their own beds. They actually found one of these miners building a wall around his house and he had no idea why. The state of these men prompted Time Magazine to write an article that asked this question. Do the miners need a second rescue? Do the miners need a second rescue? Why? Because they were alive, but not really. They were living, but they weren't really living. <laughs> they were alive, but they were not free. And I often wonder how many Christians find themselves in the exact same situation. We've been rescued. We're alive, but not really. We're alive, but we are not really free. There's actually something more for each and every one of us. And actually, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture actually points us to this Truth. Maybe you're familiar with the story in John chapter 11. It's a story of a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was a close personal friend of Jesus, right? And, and Lazarus comes down with a cold. 
which at first is not really a big deal. Like maybe it's just flu season like it is right now, right? And, and what starts as a sniffle starts to decline his health entirely. And, and they begin to get panicked, right? His sisters are sitting by his bedside every single day watching their brother deteriorate. And then one day they have this thought, well, we just need to get word to Jesus. And so the sisters, they send a message to Jesus. They say, Lazarus, your dear friend, he is sick. And Jesus issues them a promise. He says, don't worry, this sickness will not end in death. No, it happens so that God might be glorified in it. And Jesus does something incredibly interesting. He doesn't drop everything that he's doing and rush right to their side. He doesn't snap his fingers and say, go home, your faith has made him well. He does those things in other instances in scripture. But actually in this moment, the Bible says that because he loves them very much, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So just know if the Lord's ever made you wait on something, you're in good company. And often our waiting is not because God doesn't love us, in fact, sometimes God makes us wait because he loves us. And so the Bible says that by the time Jesus arrived to the village of Bethany, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now the village of Bethany is near Jerusalem. The last time Jesus was in Jerusalem, the people tried to drive him out and kill him. So I just need you to notice, it's at great expense to himself that Jesus actually goes to visit Lazarus in his grave. When the Bible says that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, you need to understand, not a word in scripture is wasted. The Bible never records useless information. If it records it, it's actually for a reason. And so when Jesus arrives to this village of Bethany, one of the sisters comes out and she begins to, in my interpretation of the text, begins to yell at Jesus. She's like, Jesus, where were you? If you had only been here, my brother would not be dead. And I think if you don't look at that text and read it and hear frustration and, and confusion and anger and bitterness, you're probably not reading it correctly. But she's like, Lord Jesus, where were you? You could have shown up, you could have done something about this, but, but you didn't. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment in your life where you just felt like, Jesus, where were you? I prayed and I fasted and I waited and I asked and if you had shown up, man, things would be different. And I love in this moment, just please notice, Jesus, he doesn't scold her. He doesn't rebuke her. But he listens to her, and then he just asks her a question, really. He makes a statement, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe this? Like, let me just remind you of who I am and then ask you the question, do you believe this? Those four words, by the way, are the point of this entire text. Jesus is the resurrection and the life and anyone who believes in him will live even though they die. That is true. The most important question you'll ever answer in your life, do you believe this? And so she doesn't get it fully, but she's like, yes, Lord, I believe it that one day you're gonna raise everybody from the dead. And he's like, no, no, no. Do you believe I'm the resurrection and the life right here, right now? One of the sisters is so frustrated, she can't even come out of the house at first and have this conversation. But Jesus asked them, he says, take me to his tomb, right? Take me to the place where you've laid him. And so they bring him to the grave of Lazarus and Jesus, he sits down outside the grave of his friend and he begins to cry, right? It's one of the shortest verses in scripture, Jesus wept, which is absolutely fascinating. Do you know that you have a God who weeps with you? He is close. He is personal, he cares about you. He sits with us in our pain and our grief and our sorrow. 
And in that moment, it says that Jesus, he weeps because he looks around and he sees all the people who have gathered around these sisters to mourn with them and, and grieve with them. And the Bible says he has compassion on them and he weeps. It's fascinating because if you know the end of the story, Jesus doesn't have a whole lot of reason to cry. He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, like spoiler alert, right? But I think in part, Jesus weeps, not just for Lazarus, but for you and for me. Because death did not exist in the world that God created. It didn't, it didn't belong there, right? It wasn't until three chapters in when Satan slithered his ugly little head into this whole story that death was even a thing. And so Jesus, I think in part, sits down outside the grave of Lazarus and weeps because he goes, this is not how it's supposed to be. Sickness, disease, death was never meant to be a part of your story. And so Jesus, he stands up and he instructs them. He says, roll the stone away. And one of the sisters protests. She's like, no, Jesus, you don't wanna do that. It's gonna smell really bad. Like he's been in there for four days. In fact, in the King James Version, it says he stinketh. I'm not joking, look it up, it's in there. All right, she doesn't want him to do it. But Jesus ignores that and he just says, roll the stone away, right? And then he echoes these words, perhaps you've heard before, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man comes out of the grave. And the man who had been dead for four days in a situation where all hope was lost emerges from the tomb. Now they actually believed resurrection was possible. They, they had seen it before, there were recorded miracles of resurrection, but they actually believed this, that the spirit of a man or a woman would hover around the body for up to three days. So on day four, for these people, there was absolutely no hope until Jesus showed up. And in that moment, everything changed. And what I would want you to hear this morning is this, like you may think that something in your life is too dead for Jesus, Time has expired. I just need you to understand that when Jesus shows up, dead things come to life, right? When Jesus shows up, dead things come to life and there is no situation, no moment, no relationship, no problem that you face that Jesus cannot resurrect. Now, there are a couple of things we need to understand about this story. Primarily, when Jesus shows up, dead things come to life. That's what John chapter 11, this miracle story of Lazarus, this is actually what it's all about, right? Because what, La what Jesus did for Lazarus physically he wants to do for each and every one of us spiritually. Jesus is calling your name. He wants to raise you from the dead because ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, every single one of us were born physically alive but spiritually dead. And apart from hearing the voice of Jesus, responding to the good news of the gospel, we will remain dead in our sins, but in Christ you can be made alive. And when Jesus shows up, dead things come to life you can experience the same resurrection power that Lazarus felt on that day. Now, you've probably heard this story preached many times, and you probably have heard a message just like that. And all of that is good and right and true and important, but here's the problem. Our typical treatment of this text ends with the words, and the dead man came out. But this morning, what I need you to do is take a closer look at scripture with me because at the tail end of this story, in, La in John 11, 43 and 44, we actually read some words that change everything. Here's what the scripture says. It says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, and the dead man came out. But I just need you to notice there's not a period there. 
There's a comma. There's more to this story. Let's see what happens. The Bible says the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen. There was a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, if you read this text carefully this morning, this probably does not line up with the image that we have in our heads of what it would have looked like on the day that Lazarus came out of the grave, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I picture Lazarus like running. We even sing about it. I ran out of that grave, but he didn't. At least that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when Lazarus emerges from the tomb, he comes out, not, not running. I mean, at best, he's like hopping, right? You ever, you ever been wrapped up like a mummy before? You try to run like that. I mean, at best, Lazarus comes like waddling out of the tomb, right? This is a different picture in our minds than most of us have, right? He comes out hopping at best. Why? Because when Lazarus emerges from the tomb, don't miss this, he's still bound up. So, so here's what that tells me. It's entirely possible to be alive in Christ, but still look and smell dead. It's entirely possible for you and I as followers of Jesus to be alive in Christ, but still look and smell dead. Meaning, like you've got the resurrection, you've got the relationship, you're, you're good, you're going to heaven, but your life doesn't look any different. Or to say it another way, Lazarus needed a second rescue. And maybe we do too. Many of us, if we're honest, have been given the gift of new life, but we're still wrapped up in the old one. How many of us, I wonder, have been called out of the grave never actually realizing that we brought all of our grave clothes with us. See, when Lazarus walks out of the grave, the text says that his hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen. There was a cloth around his face. You know what that means? It means that he couldn't see what Jesus wanted him to see. He couldn't say what Jesus wanted him to say. He couldn't hear what Jesus wanted him to hear. He couldn't do what Jesus wanted him to do. He couldn't go where Jesus wanted him to go, all because he was bound up in these grave clothes, bound up in this old life. And I wonder how many of us walk into church this morning never even realize that we're not running, we're not even walking. Like we are still bound up. Can't see, can't hear, can't say, can't do, can't walk. Here's what grave clothes have come to represent for me. Grave clothes are anything that holds you back from everything that God has for you. Grave clothes are anything that holds you back from everything that God has for you. God, this might be the biggest struggle in Christendom today. That we're alive in Christ, but we are still bound in our grave clothes. There is something holding each and every one of us back from the everything that God has for you. And what I wanna tell you today is that while grave clothes may be your past, they do not have to be your future. 
What I, what I wanna tell you this morning is that God wants to give you freedom today and it starts when you understand a few truths. Here's the first one. You are wearing the wrong thing. You're wearing the wrong thing. Across all of our campuses this morning, just raise your hand if you've ever shown up somewhere wearing the wrong thing. Like you had the wrong attire on for that situation. You were overdressed, you were underdressed. Somebody tricked you and told you it was a costume party. I don't know, right? But that's happened to me a few times in my life. One of them was when I went uh, with my now wife, Christine, we were dating at the time, to a football game at the University of Florida in the swamp. And uh, I'm sorry, coach, I'm not a massive football fan, okay? I'm just gonna confess that this morning in church. Uh, but I was super excited to go and sit in the stadium with 100,000 fans and watch one of the most iconic teams in the country. And so we went to this game and uh, I didn't know what to wear, but I got dressed for the day. And as soon as I walked into the stadium, like people were giving me very strange looks, coach. It was uncomfortable. Like people are looking at me like, like they wanna kill me. And I'm like, do they know I don't go to school here? Is this like a mean girl thing? What's going on? Like, I, I don't know what's going on. And so we're sitting in the student section of the University of Florida in the swamp, right? And, and I don't know why I'm so uncomfortable until the two teams run out onto the field, right? And I am wearing a purple t-shirt and out come the LSU Tigers, you know? Like, <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever worn a purple shirt before or since, but like that one day, and as soon as it came out on the field, everybody looked at me and I'm like, oh, now I get it, you know? So then everything that happened on the field, when any time like the Tigers advanced or they didn't made a great play, right, it was my fault. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me and it was so uncomfortable, right? Because I, I was dressed for the wrong occasion. I could not enjoy this experience to its fullness because I had on the wrong clothes. And I think that many of us experience that spiritually. We're, we're dressed up in the old life. We're not dressed for the right occasion, right? We, we're still wearing the old life. Lazarus could not enjoy the life that he had been raised for if he chose to stay dressed in these death rags. He couldn't enjoy the life that Jesus had, had raised him for. And I gotta imagine, like, Lazarus wanted to get those off. Like, I gotta imagine his greatest desire was to shed those grave clothes and get that smell out of his nostrils, right? But, but you and I, we have to ask ourselves the question, what are our grave clothes? What's the anything that holds you back from everything that God has for you? It could be a sin that you can't leave. Constantly, you find yourself going back to the same old struggle time and time again. I do wanna tell you this morning, the most powerful sin in your life is the one you haven't confessed yet. For many of us, it's the same old sin. We just keep returning to it time and time again. So it could be a sin that you can't leave. It might be a hurt that you've received. Someone, at some point in your story, mistreated you hurt you, left you, failed you, and you've carried that burden for so long that it's actually become your bondage. I believe with all of my heart, God has healing for you today. So it could be a sin that you can't leave, it, it might be a hurt that you've received, or it could be just a lie that you believe. Every single one of us at church this morning struggle with hearing and believing lies about ourselves. 
And more often than not, they, they typically fall into a couple of categories, right? The enemy will drill these thoughts so deep inside your mind that it becomes the only lens through which you look at the world. Usually the lies that we believe are, I'll never be enough. You strive and you try, you push, and you, you believe the lie that you'll never be enough or, or you'll never do enough. You can't be good enough, strong enough, successful enough. Some of us buy into the lie, we'll, we'll never have enough. We spiritually start to hoard food in our own homes. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to release our minds today from captivity, from some of the lies that we have believed. Now, grave clothes could be anything, right? The list goes on and on. Maybe it's pride for you. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's sex outside the covenant relationship of marriage between a man and a woman. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's legalism or guilt or shame or unhealthy relationships or addiction. We could talk about what these clothes are all day long, but what I want you to hear this morning is this. What the Spirit of God speaks over you today is loose the grave clothes and let them go. God's word over you today is freedom. And no matter how long you've been struggling with wearing the wrong thing, I wanna tell you this truth this morning. Number two, you need new clothes. This is not an excuse to go on a shopping spree. Back to school's over, y'all but you need new clothes, and I mean that spiritually. This might be a little PG-13 for Sunday morning, I understand, but you know what Lazarus is wearing under the grave clothes when they come off? Nothing. So he can't go on to live a normal life like that. It's ridiculous, right? He actually would need new clothes, right? And if he doesn't get new clothes, what's he gonna do? He's gonna pick up the old stuff because at least there's comfort in the old rags. So Lazarus needs some new clothes. Don't miss this because I actually think this is where a lot of Christians get hung up. We've identified our grave clothes and we try in our own power and might to take them off, but we just keep struggling with the same old patterns, suffering through the same struggle time and time again. Why? We're picking up the old life because at least there's comfort in those rags. But instead of just trying to cut things out of your life, you know what you need? You need new clothes. You, you need a new wardrobe. And thanks be to Jesus, we have one. All throughout the New Testament, specifically in the letters of Paul, he's constantly talking about what it means to take off the old life, the old man, and put on the new life, right? And, and so there's all kinds of sections of scripture you can read. It's in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. It's in Romans 6. But my favorite is Colossians chapter 3. Paul spends a lot of time talking about all the things that need to come off of our lives, right? The grave clothes that we have to shed. But then he says this, starting in verse 12. He says, since God shows you to be, to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must 
forgive others. So I wanna want just point something out. He's reminding us of who we are in Christ. Don't forget, you're holy people. Don't forget, God loves you. Don't forget, God loves you. He chose you. Therefore, what do you do? You must clothe yourselves. Look at the language. New clothes with what? Tenderhearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I love this. He says, above all else, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And what happens when we do? Peace that comes from Christ will rule and reign in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. God gives us this new wardrobe of grace. He tells us the things that we need to fill our lives with. And he says, above all else, put on love. Above all else, put on love, right? It's the thing that brings the whole outfit together, you know? Put on love. How, how many of you across all of our campuses have ever seen a Catholic nun before? Just raise your hand, just, okay. How do you know that? Because of what they wear, right? It's easy to identify them because of what they wear. How many of you know what that's called? A habit. So, so what if you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus, just made a habit out of love? Like every single morning we woke up and we put on love. And then every place that you step your foot, don't miss it, you're identified by what you wear. People know who you are because of what you wear. You and I have the opportunity to put on this wardrobe of grace, to dress ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. You don't have to settle for the old rags anymore when God has given you new clothes. Here's the last truth I want you to write down. You can't get them off on your own. You cannot get these grave clothes off on your own. Notice in this passage of scripture that Jesus doesn't say, hey Lazarus, take off your grave clothes. No, notice that we don't see Lazarus like in his own power and strength and might try to break free. Why? Because he couldn't do it. And neither can we. Actually, what Jesus does in this passage is fascinating. He, he calls to some people who are standing around. So, some people who have been witness to the miracle in Lazarus's life. Remember, they were all gathered to mourn with the sisters, right? To grieve with them. This is a funeral. And so at this gathering, everyone sees what Jesus has done. In fact, it's this miracle that turns the tide against Jesus. And from this point on, all the religious leaders are plotting against him to kill him. Why? Because this miracle was so public. There was no doubting what Jesus had done. And so Jesus takes some people who had been witness to the miracle in Lazarus's life and says, hey, you, it's your responsibility to help him find freedom. Hey, you, it's your responsibility to help loose these grave clothes. So there's two things in that. One, if you're struggling with sin or, or a pain or a hurt or a trauma or a lie, you can't get it off on your own. Stop trying. In fact, one of the tactics of the enemy against you is to convince you that you can't share that struggle with anybody. They're, they're gonna think differently of you. They're not gonna understand you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Why? Because the enemy wants to isolate you. And if you're following Jesus, he wants to convince you that you can do it in your own strength. 
You can't. You need people to come alongside you and help you loose these grave clothes. But if you're already walking in freedom, guess what? You have a responsibility. You've been commissioned by Jesus to help other people find their freedom. That's why we like to say around here that free people, free people, because you have a spiritual responsibility to come alongside as witnesses to the miracle that God has done in someone's life and help them find freedom. And so I wanna challenge you, you don't have to struggle on your own anymore. You actually need to surround yourself with people who've already found freedom. If the enemy has another tactic in keeping us stuck in our grave clothes, it's to convince us to surround ourselves with people who are struggling with the same thing. Because we feel that they can identify with us, that they'll understand our struggle. Listen to me very carefully. If you surround yourself with people who are struggling with the same thing that you are right now, you will end up at this altar time and time and time again. You don't need people who can identify with your struggle. You need people who've found freedom from your struggle, who are further along on the journey. That's why you need to be at Celebrate Recovery. That's why you need to get in a freedom class because God wants to give you some people who are gonna help you walk in the freedom that God has destined you for, the life that you have been raised for. You, you need some people in your life who are gonna walk with you and wage war with you spiritually. You need some people who are gonna hold you up. The reality is that you will never experience, listen to me, you will never experience the life that God has raised you for absent the community of faith. You, you will never experience the life that God has for you unless you surround yourself with some people who are committed to helping you walk in newness of life. So, wearing the wrong thing, need new clothes, and you can't get them off on your own. Now, interestingly, Jesus does something absolutely incredible in John chapter 11, right? He raises Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus is not the only person who's raised from the dead in the New Testament. In fact, this whole story, this whole demonstration that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, this is just a glimpse of what's to come. This is just a preview. This is the, the coming attraction. Because this story is meant to point us to a much greater story. Because Jesus himself, like Lazarus, would die. Jesus himself, like Lazarus, would be placed in a tomb. Jesus himself, like Lazarus, would be there for several days. But on Easter morning, when the women, they come to the tomb of Jesus, they come to the place where his body had been laid, you know what they find? They find the stone rolled away and inside that tomb, when they walk into that space, do you know what they see? Folded up neatly according to scripture on the place where he had been laid are his grave clothes. So, so don't miss this. When Lazarus comes out of the grave, he's still bound up. But Jesus, Jesus left the grave clothes behind. And what you need to understand is this today. You have not been raised in the image of Lazarus. You weren't raised to be bound up in the old life. 
That's not the picture of your resurrection. The picture of your resurrection is Jesus. You were raised in his image. You can be unbound, you can be free, you can be whole, you can have life, you can experience freedom. You, like Jesus, can leave the grave clothes behind. Why? Don't miss this. Because Jesus wore them so that you wouldn't have to. Jesus wore the grave clothes so that you wouldn't have to. So here's what you need to do today. You need to stop settling for the old life. You need to decide today that you will no longer be bound in your grave clothes. In fact, when you came in today, every single one of you received a little swatch of cloth, grave clothes. Put that in your Bible. Keep it in front of your eyes so that you can see. They might be your past, but they do not have to be your future. In fact, here's what I wanna do across all of our campuses today. Would you just stand to your feet with me right now? And I don't miss the moment, don't move on, don't start a conversation. Spiritually, we wanna respond to the truth of God's word together today. And here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna invite across our church this morning for people to be bold. For people to be bold. Because perhaps this is the only moment that stands between you and your freedom. Across all of our campuses today, right now, I wanna invite anyone who knows that they need to find freedom in some area of their lives. Today, you're at church and you go, I got some grave clothes in my life, and today, I wanna leave them behind. I wanna invite you right now across all of our campuses to come forward, to come out of your chairs, to come out of your rows, to come down the aisles, to come to the altar, because I wanna pray for you. And again, so many of us this morning, we are walking into this room bound up by the old life. Jesus wants to take your grave clothes off today and start you on a journey of freedom. And so right now, across all of our campuses, you can come forward. If you've got something in your life that you need freedom from today, you're going, man, maybe it's one of those things that I listed. Maybe it's something I haven't even talked about at all. Come, come all the way in so that I can pray for. All I wanna do is pray for you because here's what I believe. Perhaps, perhaps the struggle that you're experiencing will only stay if you're in your seat. But I gotta believe that there's some people across all of our campuses today who go, I want more out of this life. I don't wanna settle for just being alive. I want fullness, I want freedom, and I wanna tell you that Jesus wants to give it to you today. So right now, we've got altars across all of our campuses where people have come forward to declare, I want freedom from the grave clothes in my life. What I wanna do is pray for you. I just wanna pray for you that God's word over you today would be loose the grave clothes and let them go. And that some of the struggles that you even walked into church with this morning would be gone in Jesus' name. Now, this isn't the finish line, this is a starting line. You gotta get in freedom class, you gotta surround yourself with people, but this could be a moment where you decide, I'm not settling for the old life, but I'm gonna walk in the new one. And so Jesus, I thank you for some people across all of our campuses today who are responding to your voice. In fact, if you're at the altars, just lift your hands towards heaven this morning. You're saying, I want freedom. I want freedom. God, would you loose the grave clothes in their lives? God, whether it's pride, maybe there's a sexual sin, maybe there's a lie that they've believed. God, maybe there's an unhealthy relationship. God, would you allow the chains of those things and the bondage of those burdens to come off this morning in Jesus' name. May they be reminded today that they weren't raised in the image of Lazarus. They were raised in the image of Jesus. And we can walk in fullness and freedom today in Jesus' name. Come on, can everybody just say amen, amen. 
Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.